Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 701 with Jay Kim. Is second location going to be as successful as the first location? Yeah. Like, that's also a question to ask. Uh, is second location going to be as a, a great of a location than the first one? Yeah. Do we have money and the resources and the people? To maintain the first location the way it is, do I have the right structure in place at a first location and for me to scale to the next, that that's similar operation to the second location? Those are the questions to be asked, but I don't think I asked that at that time. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Ladies and gents, you've got to own your presence online because that's where your first impressions are made. Good thing there is Bento Box because Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their websites. To learn more about Bento Box and how it can empower you through your website, head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And because you are a restaurant unstoppable listeners, you'll save 50% off your setup fee. Again, that's getbento.com slash unstoppable. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slick and ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don professional for years restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants and they finally got it restaurant 365 is a cloud-based all-in-one restaurant specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with pos systems payroll providers and food and beverage vendors head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and a free inventory build in restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. What's going on, Unstoppables? I have a great interview for you today with Jay Kim, a legend here in Austin, Texas. But before I give you a teaser, I want to expect in today's conversation, I just want to say thank you to those of you who took the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It's probably the, it's, it's definitely the number one platform that my podcast is being listened to on. And when you leave those five-star reviews, it helps so much with getting recognized and ranking high. So just as a nod to those who left the reviews, I'm going to read them right now. Just two of them. Maybe I'll do two more later in the week. But uh, the first review from Panino Mike. Really enjoy listening to Eric and his guests. So much to learn from others. Can't wait for him to come to Minnesota. I would love to come to Minnesota, man. Thanks for the invite. Can't wait to meet you while I'm out there. And the next review, we have uh, Jeff M. Brown, informative and entertaining guests and thoughtful in relative questions. I have really enjoyed 
to learn from everyone in every episode. So thank you, Jeff, for leaving those reviews. And these are so helpful, guys. And if you leave a review, uh, make sure to mention your restaurant in the review because I'll give you a shout out just like I'm doing right now. And uh, I just cannot express enough how important those reviews are. So uh, today, guys, like I said, Jake Kim from Chilantro, which started out, out here in Austin, Texas. Some great things covered in today's conversation. We dive into the significance of core values. We talk about why being a full-time student and a restaurant owner might not be a good idea, uh, but putting everything into your heart, into your mind, into action, uh, doing a few things really well and focusing on owning those few things, being willing to approach successful people for help, being tenacious with your endeavors, but also being mindful of your blind spots, integrity, doing everything you say you're going to do, especially when it comes to what you're talking about to your employees about following through on those promises. And then lastly, uh, how the franchise business is more about being a franchisee developer than it is being a franchise or uh, great stuff today. I hope you guys enjoy it with no further ado. Here it is. Jay Kim. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jay Kim, my man, Jay. Are you feeling unstoppable today? I feel unstoppable. <laughs> yes. So Jay Kim got his start in the food and beverage industry as the owner of a coffee shop while in college. That blows my mind, dude. Uh, unfortunately, that business failed, but he, it left him with a burning desire to try again. In 2010, Chilantro was founded. Chilantro started as a food truck serving a fusion of Korean and Mexican cuisine. Today, there are eight restaurants, two food trucks, and two trailers under the Chilantro brand in Austin, Texas. And I'm pretty sure you guys are, did I hear you're franchising too? You're just beginning to explore the, the world of franchising? Yes, we are it's going a lot. through FTD process right now. Yeah, man. Maybe we can learn something about that. Um, so I have no idea what we're going to discuss today, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or a mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, uh, I'd like to share our core values. Uh, yeah. Our core values are to be dedicated, to be authentic, to be resilient, and be thankful. Ooh, why? Why? How did you come up with those core values? When how, take us through that process? Yeah, great question. Um, this is a great question. This is a great start. Uh, I, you know, we had we grew from a food truck in 2010 to having eight locations, and we have about today about 130 staff. That's crazy. So uh, we understand that as we're growing. Uh, I used to be with our staff every single day, right? Uh, vice versa, our staff, the same staff, we're working together for eight, 10 hours a day, and sometimes maybe more. And today I'm removed from day-to-day uh, operations. So it's much more important to uh, live by the core values mm-hmm. and um, that our, that culture is, is being uh, shared and that it's lived uh, at our store level. So it's, it's very important. And uh, over the years, we accumulated these important things that we have within ourselves that, that represents like, who we are as people. Yes. Uh, and we just put it on paper and, and uh, we said this is our company's core values. Yeah. W- the way I like to think of core values or a mission or a vision or all these things, it's literally taking yourself. That's right. And putting it onto paper because behind every great restaurant, it's a great person. I right? agree. And great team. And like you said, right. you're up to 130 employees. We can yeah. only handle about 130, 150 relationships in all of our life. Wow. Right. So you yeah. can't make, you can't impose yourself 
on all those people at the same level that you were able to when you had three or four employees, right? right? So when you have three or four employees, you can literally imprint yourself on them, right? right. You can say, this is who I am, and you can will yourself into them, right? Yeah. But when you have 130 people, you need to put it in writing so it's there and set, right? Yeah. When did you realize you needed these core values? So uh, we've, we've always had it. We, we didn't know what to do with it. We didn't know how to use it. Uh, we started using our core values uh, about a year and a half ago. And how we used it was through this uh, program called the EOS. And we use this um, program. Uh, and, and we now use our core values to hire people, promote people, fire people. Well, the program uh, EOS, is that entrepreneurs? Uh, operating system. Oh, yeah. So is it entrepreneur's operating system? Or? Yes. Okay, cool. That's what it's called. <laughs> right. Just want to make sure I got that. Yeah. Um, so we we knew like we, we knew how to intuitively knew how to uh, give raises to people. Uh, you know, it's it's a small business. It's hard. It's hard to fire people. It's it's our least favorite job, right? Like we hate yeah firing people. Uh, we love to give second and third chances to to people, even though they're not a great fit. Mm. Uh, we literally started using our core values on a, on a day to day basis, and it's becoming so much impactful for us. And that's why this is. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's so awesome, important. man. Great way to get this thing started. So typically, we start with where the dream started for you, or when you knew that the food and beverage industry was going to be your path. So how did you find yourself in food and beverage? I mean, I know you had a business before this while yeah. you were in college, which again, just blows my mind. <laughs> uh, when, take, it, take us to where it makes sense to start the story. Yeah. Um, I started a coffee shop when I was 21 years old, and it, was just, it wasn't a traditional brick and mortar store. It was a more like a kiosk at a gas station. Okay. And uh, Little, you know, maybe 200, 250 square feet. Okay. I just had a refrigerator, uh, espresso machine, uh, a pastry shelf, and I started a coffee shop. Were business. you literally in a, a gas station or was it freestanding? It, I would say it's more of a upscale okay. gas station with a car wash that, that was generating millions of dollars, I think, because they had a lot of cars. <laughs> Uh, being washed on a daily basis. And those are our customer base. Okay. And um, so that's how I got started. Okay. So what was inside of you saying, like, I need to do food and beverage? Should you have a mentor or was it just this desire? Do you always love food? So at that time, um, Starbucks was popping like, off. Yeah. Blowing up. It's 2007, 2008-ish. Um, right. Yeah. And what I didn't know was... You know, I didn't have any strategy. So the location. You're 20 years old, man. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I had all the strategy. Money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I found myself, you know, being opposite of the coffee shop, right? Like Starbucks. It was, you had to take a literally U-turn to get to our coffee shop. And the, the traffic flow was horrible. Um, But, you know, I thought, well, like if they can do it, like I can get local coffee and marketed as a local coffee brewer and start a coffee shop. Yeah. I had no idea how to run a coffee shop. Yeah, but shop. I bet you learned so much. But I think it's also important to point yeah. out that you're also in school full time. Right. Right? Right. That's crazy. How are you running a business 
and being in school full time. Like, yeah, what happens ex- when you had class? It was extremely hard. <laughs> like I wasn't doing well in any of these. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like I was not focused on any of the, these two. So I can imagine. Yeah, I, I failed a couple classes in the in the midst of running a business, and I wasn't running a, an, an effective business either. So. You know, like I was just just so reflecting back at this yeah, time, yeah, yeah. Um, knowing what you know now with the success you've had now yeah. and the wisdom you've garnered up to this yeah. point, reflecting yeah. back, what didn't you do right? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> For somebody who's listening to this and says, I want to open a, I'm 20 years old. I want to yeah. open a coffee shop. Like yeah. what advice do you have for that person? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, you know, if I'm 20 years old and. I don't know what I don't know. Mm. And you're about to start a business. Man, I would say ask people, I would say reach out to people and ask ask them, what should I not do? (laughs) So what should you not do? Uh, Well, location. If you're in the food and bev industry, location is the key. Um. And don't spread yourself thin is what I'm right. thinking. Like you Focus have so on, much on your plate. Yeah. Be focused. Yeah. It takes right. a lot to yes. run a business, That's especially right. a food and beverage business That's and right. going to school full time, just the time to be in class alone. Right. Right. Um, and then to, the homework and the studying and like wait until after you graduate. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like one piece of advice yeah. and be a learner. Yeah. Uh, like, like what I find myself today is like, I continue to learn because like I love yeah. to learn. And that's right. a really cool point too. Right. Like, you know, the, the process of opening a restaurant starts with learning. That's right. You know, and you can start that today, yeah, you know. Right. So think of it that way. You know, if you right. want to own a restaurant, start where you can. That's right. Start learning, yes. you know, and then maybe with a pop-up or like a start, like get an event. You could. Like Eventbrite situation, you yeah, know, where you absolutely. start like hosting, like you pop us at your own house. That's a great um, idea. Stuff like that. Yes. So great stuff. So you fell on your face. Um with the, the, the coffee place. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you to get back up? Uh, I would say it took about years okay. because that's when I fell in love with it. After I came out of that business, I started telling myself, man, I should have done this. I could have done that. Uh, why didn't I think about that? Yeah. Why didn't I work hard enough? Uh, why was I complaining all the time? Um, you know, I was making like minimum wage, right? I was an employee <laughs> yeah. of my shop. Yeah. I was just there every single day, like just running through the motions of running a store and I wasn't even running it uh, effectively. So I learned what not to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started Cilantro, my mindset was completely different from uh, where I was before and when I started Cilantro. Okay. So what was like paint that picture of where you were at with your mindset? Like yeah. paint, like give the our listeners an aiming point of like what the mental like what your mental position should be when yeah. when getting started after learning the hard way. Yeah. I, I think if you fail enough times or if you fail at one thing, uh it, it messes up with you. I, I, you know, it kind of you, you, your mind says, I don't think you're capable of doing this. Yeah. Or your heart says, are you sure about this? Right? Yeah. There is like a doubt, self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into Cilantro, my mindset was, you know what? If my heart says to do something, I'm going to actually do it. If my mind says you should do it or can you do it, I'm going to actually do it and see what happens. So mm-hmm. I started putting everything that was my was in my heart and my head into just an action. 
Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. Um, it's just taking action, right? Don't right. dream about it. Like start doing it, things. Like right now, That's just start right. doing things. So, what were yeah. the first things you started to do? Um, I wrote a business plan for cilantro, um, and I kind of wanted to to get help. I wanted to put my thoughts da- uh, written down mm. in, in in a paper, and that actually helped me out. Um, I use this, you know. I, I'm not, I know I'm not plugging this product. No, this you can is, make recommendations. That's, yeah, we love that. Um, I use Business Plan Pro. Okay, to write a business plan, it's really sim- simple to use. Um, and I wrote it. Uh, and started experimenting uh, the recipe at home. Uh, the recipes came from uh, just try and error, uh, Google research, and and that's how I got started. And I, I found the place to lease the truck. Uh, I found the location where I was going to park the truck. I put everything down on paper. And February 1st of 2010, uh, I started the business. So you just, I mean, where were you financially getting started? Because I know you you lost the business. So I'm assuming you weren't yeah. in a great place financially. Yeah. How did you get the money to start? Yeah, uh, in the middle of it, I had a job. Okay. Um, so I was saving up. Okay. So I had about $30,000 in savings and I maxed out my credit card. And I had, I think... Uh, you know, a few months to yeah. just to survive. Yeah. And I, and I have to bring it back to the surface is yeah. the power of writing things down. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned it again. And just when you put it on paper, like things to start to like take action. Cause now you, you made progress, right. And you yeah. can pick up where you left off and you put it on paper. But if you right. just dream about it, like, you know, it fades away, you know, get like a gust yeah. of wind will come and it'll like, you know, drift. Right. And then you have to like recenter and like redream from the beginning again. But right. when you write it down, you made progress. Yeah. You know? are you, are you, you're, you're, I think, referring to distractions. Yeah. Like, so many distractions happen right? in life. Right? Yeah. So, for sure. Uh, if you, you know, what helped me was just putting down few things on paper instead of a lot of things. I had a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I wanted to do few things really well. Yes. Why, why that approach? Where did you learn that? Uh, because when I had a coffee shop, I mean, my business wasn't successful, so I tried selling sandwiches. <laughs> I was doing many things Whatever, and yeah. nothing worked. Yeah. Uh, so with cilantro, I just said, you know, I'm just going to be really focused on food and customer service. Mm. And, you know, just having really clean truck. Nice. <laughs> Those so, are the three things. So paint a picture of what Austin was like in 2010 with the food truck scene. Like, why was this a good, yeah. a good move? Uh, so I remember going to Torchy's on South First Street. They had a trailer there. And I remember being so busy, right? So I set up a meeting with the owner. And I said, hey, would you mind if I if I have a food Which truck? Which owner? Was that Mike Ripka or? or no, no, Mike Ripka. No, it, no, uh, it was Bob. And he's not there anymore. Oh, okay. uh, Mike's a great guy, by nice. the way. Um, I reach out to him for advice and things nice. like that. He's on my hit list for sure. <laughs> I would recommend him. Yeah. He's a great. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, so so I reached out to to them and, and I said, you know, I, I'm doing like Korean barbecue tacos. I mean, they obviously sell tacos, right? Uh, and can I park my truck next to you? And, he, you know, he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that, that Austin embraced this. Austin yeah. loved um, just quirky, uh, small business, uh, great tasting food. It, yeah. they didn't, it didn't matter if it was fancy. Like if it was good, if the price point was there, 
people were going to come. Yeah. And I knew that Austin people were like that. I wonder if that would have been a bad... I honestly think it would have been a good... You, you see it now all over the place with food trucks. They park yeah. on top of each other. Like, right, and they I think do. That gives the the customers like an, an, like options, but like more people can go That's right. and find something for them. It might have been right. interesting to see how that would have worked. But, but I, it wasn't like that in 2010. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You, you might have been way ahead of the curve, though. Uh, I, I think we were a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 But... uh. I think what I love about that story is just your, the willingness to go approach people. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes people are so afraid to go approach successful businesses and right. ask for help or ask for recommendations or ask anything. But you went, not only did you ask about the business, you asked if you could park next to him, you know? <laughs> That's right. But I think that is so powerful. It's a, right. it's a great skill to have that, the willingness to approach people and to talk. Yeah. And you'd be so surprised That's how right. willing people are yeah. to help. Because all you're going to get is no. Yeah, it's the worst case scenario. Not at the moment. Right? Yeah. But it could be, I don't know. And you're building relationship through that process. Exactly. As long as you're respectful. Yeah. And it's yeah. lonely at the top. So you That's want right. you want those people, people in understand. your life. That's exactly. Right. Yes. So powerful. So when take us to the point where you actually opened. Like, like what lessons did you learn in the, fir- the first few? And I'm going to put this little caveat in there. I yeah. wouldn't, I, I personally would not recommend opening a food truck in today's market. It's, it's difficult. As, as, but you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an option, but it's not like it was. And I think people see what it was like and they yeah. anticipate it right. being like that. And it's not like that. Yeah, anymore. I can share with you why. Right? Yeah, like please. even the real estate. Yeah. So when I first started, I parked my food truck next to Adobe Mall. And this was February 1st. Probably really cold. It was cold. So nobody was commuting outside. Yeah. And the campus was kind of empty. And my first day of sale was $7. Okay. And the next day it was 14 cuz nice, you doubled it. Yeah, yeah, but that person <laughs> brought a friend so it became 14, but it was not a good location for us. Mm. Uh, until we got to downtown late nights. Uh and back then in 2010 to about 2014-15, uh I was paying $500 a month for a lot. Well, can't do that today. You can't do that today yeah. in Austin. And so I realized that, you know, there were, there were a lot of empty lots back then. Mm-hmm. So now they're high rises hotels yeah. here in Austin. But so I was able to just capture these spots for $500 for me. That was an occupancy cost of running a food truck business. So I would rent, you know, spots for $500 a month. My occupancy rate cost would be $1,500. I calculated that into it, and then I just needed to generate sales from those locations. Yeah. Uh, And I was breaking even on the first night. Like, I would go to 5th and Colorado, and, you know, I would do $2,000, $3,000 night on a a Thursday, Saturday night. So I, I already got that paid for. But I was the only truck yeah. at that lot. Later on, you know, a landlord saw that was happening. They were opportunistic. Yeah, they raised the rent, and then they put the truck next to mine. So you're what you're <laughs> saying about yeah, the climate of our business has changed. Definitely changed because you're making less money from the lot, and they're charging you more, more competition. So I would say that's difficult. Yeah, today. um, for sure, and um. So, I mean, but the, the thing that made it so appealing in the past was that it was such a low barrier of entry, right? right. And it was so affordable. That's and if right. you couldn't afford a brick and mortar, like you could afford $500 a month. Yeah. It's just getting so, it's not the same anymore. The benefits yeah. aren't quite there. I agree. Um, so, 
given that the market has changed a lot, um, what advice would you give somebody who's who's getting into the market now? Because that's the, that's our target audience. And before you yeah. answer that, I just remembered we got to take one quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen. But with the grease fighting power of Dom Professional Manual Pot and Pan from P&G Professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom Professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for. With long lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving you up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label, it's no wonder Dom Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Dom Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Dom Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Professional. Now go get it. We're back, and um, you were just going to tell us uh, what advice you'd have for somebody who's looking to start a food truck today, even though yeah. because the market's so much different than it was then. Yeah. What do you got? Man, location's always the key. Um, find a great location. Uh, willing to learn. Uh, it it just continues to be, you know, you have a concept in your mind, and, and I see this often. Some entrepreneurs are so adamant about this is what I'm going to do and nobody's going to stop me. And I think that's a great mindset to have, but also asking yourself, is it relevant that these people are asking me questions about, are there my blind spots? Am I covering some of my blind spots and asking yourself as an entrepreneur to say, what are my blind spots? Yeah. And can somebody help me cover those blind spots? I think it's going to be really helpful in the entrepreneurial journey of a food truck. So what's the best advice you have for finding those blind spots? Where, where do we find those blind spots? Do we just mm-hmm. go talk to people? Like, what do we do? Yeah. Uh, you could ask a friend. Okay. Uh, you could ask Eric. <laughs> Your email's out there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm going to get hit hard now. Um, no, but I, I hear what you're saying in... Uh, when I, you're saying blind spots, which is the, what am I not seeing? Right. Yeah. And I also feel like it could be like, what are my weaknesses? Like what, That's right. like what do I, what am I good at? What am I not good That's at? Right. And who do I need to surround myself with? Who's yeah. strong or I'm weak, you know, yeah. things like that or tools. Right. And today there's tools out there. That's right. You know, like if your thing's not HR, if you suck at HR, mm-hmm. hire Gusto, one of my sponsors, you know, it's a great service go. too. Like that's yeah. what they do. It's like, yeah. there's, there's so many plug and play things in the world today. Yes. Um, so, some of the big things I pulled up to this point is that uh, you just started, right? Yeah. And you had that mentality of just start and go. Um, you, you weren't afraid to go talk to people, right? Yeah. Uh, the times have changed a little bit. Is there anything else we're missing regarding food trucks that are important that our listeners should know? I feel like uh, social media was a really big thing. Yeah. Uh, when I started Twitter, uh, the local bloggers really helped us out. Um, you know, even check-ins like Foursquare, uh, those are powerful. Uh, Instagram just came into the scene later on. Yeah. Um, but I feel like those are much more impactful. 
So, um, well, and it still continues to be, but I think the landscape has changed. Yeah, it was 2007 again. Like That's Twitter right. was like the the jam right. back then. That's right. What about now? What What do you see having the biggest uh, impact on your business now? Well, it's all those things that we have to make an investment on. Things like loyalty programs. Uh, like now, bigger, larger businesses have them. And smaller businesses like mine have to be creative in creating a a loyalty program where people are, customers are um, understanding. Like it's it's still easy to use. So navigating that portion is pretty challenging. I'm happy you're bringing this up right now because loyalty programs is something that came up recently in the Facebook group that I started uh, a few months back to okay. kind of get all my listeners into one spot and to yeah. share knowledge. Yeah. So what advice do you have for loyalty? Like how are you combating this challenge? Like what, what, what have you chose to do in yeah. regards to loyalty programs? Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I just thought that it was too expensive. <laughs> yeah. And they are, they, yeah. they are a big investment for a size like ours. Yeah. Uh, but I've decided to make an investment and, and go, uh, you know, partner with a loyalty company to strengthen that portion of our business to build a better relationship with our customers. Yeah. Can you share which one you decided to to settle with or is it too soon to announce? Uh, uh, Too soon because I got two companies that are competing for our business. (laughs) I I wonder if I could guess the three, uh, but I can't put you in that spot. You can tell me. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) How about this? Give me three companies that we should look into. Uh, I've looked at Paytronics. I've looked at Thanks. I've looked at uh, Loyalty Cube. Okay, and um, what are the benefit? What are the the strengths of these companies? Um, they all have. I think they all have strengths and weaknesses in each companies uh, based on what they focus on. What's important to you? Uh, what's important for me is how they um, like. What are they doing uh, for our customers? Right? Is it easy to use? Is it seamless for our staff to understand yeah are they doing a good job in making that barrier yeah like building that bridge between our staff to the customers to us and our marketing team to really communicate better okay um and those three that you mentioned are the ones that you think are doing best right now uh it's just my opinion. I'm sure there are a lot of other companies out yeah. there. Yeah. But those are the top three that I've, I, I've, yeah, I've at. actually had the, the CEO of, um, thanks on the show. Zach. Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Goldstein. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I just remembered that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a great guy and, yeah. uh, you can, I'll, I'll link to that episode. That was a, a few years back. So I'm sure that the, platform has changed a lot i wouldn't be surprised if it has but i remember the big thing talking to zach was the that what they do really well is that they remove the hoops or the Mm. the the, the, that's how he explained it like Mm -hmm. you don't want your customers to jump through hoops yeah so what they are trying to do is to to reduce the resistance as much as possible yeah so i think i think that they are definitely a great platform to check out um so anyway moving forward um let's let's talk about scaling the company like how long did it take you to go from a, like a couple food, like one food truck to two food trucks? And it was 2016 when you started to do brick and mortars? 2015. 15, so we've 15. been opening two since. Okay. Yeah. You've been opening two, what? Two stores since, uh, since uh, 2015. Okay. So how did you get to... Two a year, I'm sorry. Like, what was your plan, your strategy from getting to brick and mortar? Like, why Why did you want a brick and mortar so bad? Like, what, why did you feel like you needed that? Yeah. Um, I've... 
you know, from 2010 to 2015, I was selling the dream to my guys that we will one day go into a brick and mortar business. Yeah. And running a food truck business is really challenging uh, when it's hot outside. Uh, if it's 100 degree in Texas yeah. weather, it's 110 inside the food truck. Yeah. If it's a 40 degree weather, you know, because we're in a stainless box, it's colder inside. Really? So it's gruesome. Uh, it just, it's a really challenging atmosphere to work. Um, and my guys just stuck with me. They wow. believed in the vision that we had for cilantro. And they believed in my words saying that we will one day go into brick and mortar. So that's always been our dream. Yeah. How we were going to get there was uh, not in plan. Uh, but we needed to get, you know to that level and and we did luckily in 2015 yeah. so what was your strategy and I, th- I just want you to put a little more yeah. emphasis like on the realities of food trucks again yeah. like yeah everyone thinks like oh it's gonna be great but it's a lot of work a lot of things lot that of people work. don't consider when, that's right that's before right. getting started so thank you for being real with us um so what was your strategy when you're like okay this is the vision we we want brick and mortar like how did you how what was your plan to make it happen and how did it actually happen yeah so i actually didn't have strategy back then um, you know, looking back 2014, 15, all I had was, all I thought was we need to open one brick and mortar store. And, um, at that time I was, you know, trying to get investors. Okay. Uh, and investors were asking for a lot yeah, uh, for, yeah. for their money. And all, what they said was, Jay, you have a proven concept with your food trucks, but you don't have a restaurant yet. So... I'm happy to give you money, but I need to take this much of your company. Ooh. Right? How did that feel? I, it's, are these things or people? Oh, they're, pe- they're people. Okay. Right? Uh, they're, they're, they're great people that... Well, you're uh, high risk at this point. So that's right. High it's high return. risk. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. they want a high return. Rightfully so. Yeah. You know, there's one thing. I'm going to put this on pause real quick. and like, Not the actual recording, but where we yeah. are in your story. Because there's something that I, I want to make sure we bring to the surface. And I think it's mm-hmm. really important. A sure. lesson learned. And you kind of alluded to it earlier. You wanted yeah. to do one thing really well. Serve yeah. food. Or like two things really well. Serve food and serve people well. Right? Yes. Uh, but you also, I think, in I've never experienced one of your food trucks. So I, I'm not sure. But your menu yeah. is small. Right? It used to be smaller than what we have. We, yeah. we have kind of evolved uh, through the years because of the vision has changed. Yeah. But yeah, it was it, it was a very small menu. Yeah. We can't overlook your unique selling proposition when it comes to food. You invented something. Yeah. The yeah. original kimchi fries. Yeah. So yeah. we've got to talk about that and the significance of doing one thing really well. That's right. right? So I'm, I'm sorry. I almost for, completely forgot to bring that to the surface. Yeah. Um, but what happens when you invent something and it's really good? I'm sorry. What was the question? What happens when you invent something and it's really good? Uh, it was unintentional. <laughs> Most so inventions are. Pure, I think, was unintentional. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we were we were in downtown late night. Yeah. And uh, where we parked was just a darker corner from so a block away from where all the the night scenes were. We're a little bit away, but it was just a close walking distance for people to come out and eat with us after the clubs after like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I needed to do was make sure that like our spot becomes a go-to spot after the club and that's where I was making the most money. Mm. So uh, I made sure that, 
you know, I was putting like anything on the grill. I would put kimchi on the grill, so the smell go out. <laughs> I would put Korean barbecue. I would just cook the You're meat. Just trying like to meat make it cook. smell. Yeah, I would yeah. just I would do anything possible to get people to be what's curious about smell? our truck. Yeah, what's going on over there? Yeah, but at that time in 2010, people didn't know much about Korean like barbecue or fusion or kimchi as much as we know of now. So I was not selling kimchi, and people thought that we were a taco burrito truck. So they would just, you know, they're drunk. So they're yeah. just asking for egg meat, tacos, or burritos. And I wasn't selling fries either. And the reason I sold fries was because my truck was about like a 1980. It's an old school truck. Nice. And it had a fryer inside. <laughs> well, so I was I like, why it. shouldn't I use it? Yeah. So I should sell fries too. Yeah. So fries weren't selling and kimchi, kimchi wasn't, wasn't selling. selling. Yeah. So just one night I said, you know what? I'm just going to put the fries. I'm going to caramelize the kimchi. So make it hot and, and you know, and I'm going to put the kimchi, put everything that I have on the truck, which, <laughs> which are fries, kimchi, Korean barbecue, cilantro onions, and sauce on top. And I'm going to call it the kimchi fries. Nice. Uh, and I just served it to people that had no idea what they should order. I said, you want this. <laughs> and I just sold it. And it's like visually appealing. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a really large portion because you're putting everything on top of a fries on a 200 boat. So it just looks amazing. Yeah. It looks like a, I don't know, like a treat. Like when I'm, people, I'm sure a good margin. Well, maybe kimchi is probably expensive, but the fries are pretty good margins there. Right. Yeah. And I, I just sold it at a, at a most expensive price too. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're, and when they get that, it's like, it's visually appealing. They're just not getting tacos. They're getting a mound of fries with like stuff on it. But I so think people are like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And beyond that, it yeah. only you were doing it. It's, That's right. And when you invent something and it's really good, yeah. try it out because right. it's a unique selling proposition. It's something that you can only get in one spot in Austin. And it right? was. Yeah. yeah. And that's so powerful because you're also instantly the best at it. That's right. And there's something to be said about being number one at something. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, Korean, Mexican fusion in general is, is an invention kind of, right? But That's right. Uh, I just needed to put emphasis on that because yeah. uh, I think th that story is just so cool. And like, how did your business change from that point on? So I think South by Southwest really took us to the next level. Initially, I think uh, the bloggers, the, the, the local Twitters, right? The influencers <laughs> were tweeting and blogging about us yeah. and uh, Yelp. Would you, you reach know? out to them or do they come find you? I, I just didn't have time. Like the things that I just focused on were I love that though. Uh, like customers and food. Yeah. And I was not experienced yeah. uh, chef or cook. And I catch heat for this sometimes because yeah. I kind of um, lean in that direction that you just said to us. Like yeah. so many people put so much time and energy telling the world how great they are. Yeah. Instead of being great. You know, like uh -huh. put that energy into doing the thing well. Yeah. You know, put your head down and grind. Yes. Right. And That's if you right. do that, then the, you know, if it's truly great and truly special and you're doing a good thing, people yeah. will notice. I agree. You know, but it's one thing yeah. to say I'm great. Yeah. And then drop the ball because you're too busy trying to tell the world how great you are. Yeah. You the, know? Yeah. You, I mean, because you're going to catch a break. Like I'm a firm believer. And if you work hard, luck comes to you. Mm. Right. So, um, manifest luck, right? 
Yeah. So yeah. for me, I, I just did what I did great. What I thought, you know, I needed to focus on at that time. And uh, local bloggers were writing about us. Yeah. Uh, Yelp reviews from local Yelp reviewers, Yelp elites, um, Twitters. And then uh, South By comes and we started getting this national news. Nice. So that was, I think, I was like another like breakthrough point where we're getting a national news. So because we're getting national news, like local news were picking us up too because uh, there was a... Oh, this is right in our backyard. Yeah, Yeah. but there was a gap between like there were smaller group of people that were writing about us. They were enthusiastic about like just hardcore uh, supporters. And then what was missing was that mid the local news, larger publications... And then all of a sudden you're getting big publications. So I think that when big publications started writing about us, like, you know, local news media picked us up and I think it just blew up after that. Nice. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm hankering for some kimchi. Fries. That's <laughs> the only thing I think about. Uh, so, all right. Thank you for getting into that. I think that's it was sure. really important uh, for us to hover over that for a little bit. Yeah. But where we left off was you approaching investors. Yeah. Um, and they were saying, well, I'll invest in you because you have proven concept, but not in brick and mortar. So I'll, I want half or like whatever the number was. Yeah. Uh, that's where you left off. Take it from there. Yeah. So while I was looking for investors, you know, in the back of my, my mind was saying, like I told my guys that we're going to go into brick and mortar. I'll do whatever I can to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, live it up to my words. Integrity. Yeah. But at the same time, my heart was saying, man, I worked too hard to give that much. Right. So you worked too hard to give that much. What do you mean by that? Uh, meant that I think, no, no, in my heart, we're valued more than what we're actually doing today. Like we have so much more potential. I see the potential. Yeah. Yet uh, investors are not seeing the potential that we have. Mm. And they are, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm trying to be sensitive to this, but like they're not seeing our potential as much as I'm seeing it. Mm -hmm. Right. So there was a misalignment there during that process. uh, You know, I started looking into taking out loans So I learned about SBA and I applied for SBA and luckily I got an SBA loan to start my first. How many times did you apply? Man, (laughs) SBA first time, but I needed to go to many banks to understand like what I needed to do because Mm. they would just say no. They didn't give me the time to give me the education to say, hey, if you go through this, you may be able to qualify for SBA and... Uh, you know, I just had to learn and apply for SBA. And at that time, my food trucks were doing, I think, $750,000 uh, to million a year per truck. So we, wow. we had some good numbers. Yeah. That's uh, gross. Yes. Okay. Gross sales. Uh, but at the same time, like, I didn't, I don't have an accounting background. So my, my books were just. All, all messed up. Yeah. I'm, it wasn't. Yeah. I can see that being my situation. I don't yeah. know why they gave it to me <laughs> <laughs> looking back, but I think that, that 
they saw my determination yeah. and they decided to well, take a faith also, in me. You get invested <laughs> in, right? Now yeah. you can afford to pay somebody who is on top of that shit. Yeah. You know, like you, yeah. you don't have to be good at everything. Right. I mean, it took me a while to get to yeah. where we are today, but yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, I oh mean, there's some cool things that are, that are coming to my mind and they escape. Um, so the train thought, Oh, taking away the nose is what yeah. I was thinking. And yeah. I think that's what you did just to go talk to the banks, talk to the banks. They're going to tell you no, yeah. but then ask why. Why yeah. did I get no? Right. And then take away the no. Yeah. Then go back. That's right. And just keep taking away the no's until That's they right. say yes. That's right. Um, and it kind of sounds like you did that a little bit, right? But yeah, I did. They kind of put you on the track to the SBA. Yeah, they did. And I would go to, you know, I thought bigger banks would, initially I thought bigger banks have more money, so they're going <laughs> to give me money, right? Because yeah. they just have more funds. But I, I found out that smaller banks actually are better for small businesses. Smaller banks are better for small businesses. Why? Yeah. Uh, they were much more flexible. They value personal relationships, and they're they're not uh, just looking at the numbers. That's right. Yeah, and, and, you know they do. Yeah, uh, in all fairness, but, uh, but they were yeah. Go ahead. Much more flexible. They're more in tuned with the local market. Um, so I think that worked to our advantage. Okay. And what year was it when you got this loan? Two thousand fifteen. You said yeah. Two thousand fifteen. Yeah. So two thousand fifteen. Uh, we got to point out that you were on Shark Tank. Yeah. Was that more of like a, were you, were you really interested in the money or were you more interested in the, the media? I was interested in the strategic partnership. Okay. Um, and I thought going on, going on Shark Tank and getting an investment from Shark, one of the sharks, uh, was going to be a strategic plan for us to grow. So you got the SBA loan, right? Yeah. So why, why did you need more? Um, and your, and your trucks were making money at this point, right? Right. Uh, because we always wanted to expand and expansion, the growth, the vision is to our vision, our big vision is to become the world leading Korean barbecue brand. And, you know, just, you know, you kind of put it out there. World Korean barbecue brand. That's uh, right. Are you, are you going to transition away from Mexican? Like, cause you kind of have, I feel like I've been to your, your stores and I don't really yeah. see the Mexican side of it that much, to be honest. I mean, maybe, right. I think if you were to go to our stores, you would, feel like okay there is um texas you know texan mexican influence in the cuisine that that we're serving uh but we are a korean barbecue inspired brand got you and uh that's you know that's been our vision and um so yeah yeah so to bring it back you're saying you see the vision you're yeah. trying to expand yeah and you had enough to maybe get the first brick and mortar yeah but you wanted more that's right and why was the shark going to be the best way to do that? Um, well, first of all, you if you get on Shark Tank, yeah. you are getting millions of viewers. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that it would be valid. Like it would put some validity into the hard work that we have been putting for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, previously, I've gotten on some, some few cooking shows. And every time I got on uh, cooking shows... I felt like this isn't me. <laughs> I'm not a chef, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm an operator. I'm an entrepreneur. I love the restaurant business and I am a business guy. So I uh, wanted to be on Shark Tank because that aligned with me more than being on a cooking show. Okay. Yeah. Got you. So um, how did that end up? Like who, who yeah. ended up investing? Well, on the show, Barbara Corcoran invested. Okay. Um, she's she's amazing person. Her team's amazing too. Uh, through the process of doing going through the due diligence, 
uh, you know, I just felt that the timing wasn't right. And uh, what they were asking for versus uh, what we were willing to give was uh, not in alignment at that time. And so we decided to not uh, okay. take investment. Okay. It's interesting to know that you can back away from the investment after the show. I was curious about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you absolutely can. It's yeah. your business and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do whatever sense. you want with it. Um, so that was great exposure. Yeah. You, they were going to invest in you. Yeah. Um, you, you also apply like three times for that. I show, did. Right? I did. I think it's important to point these things out because yeah. th- there's like this overarching theme of just like persistence, right? Yeah. Like the first restaurant <laughs> failed, but Never you kept showing up, up, right? The things, and you, yeah. yeah, you just keep showing up. Keep, you, yeah. you didn't get the loans, but you just kept going. You kept yeah. going. You didn't get on the show, but you kept going. You kept yeah. going. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah. Um, but we had a great story. Like every year that I applied, like I had, you know, first time I applied, we had food trucks. Second time we applied, like we had food trucks in Houston. Okay. Third time I applied, like I had a restaurant. So I was like, telling a story that we're growing yeah i was like you're missing out on our growth yeah like you need to see us you need to take us seriously um and i think that worked out well cool so where like take us to the point where you're you're at one location and yeah you you got your humming along uh the brand's doing great yeah and there's more opportunity how did you scale take us to that point you're eight locations now I think it's not humming along process. Uh, there was, I remember one time we were going from a first location to second location. And I think the ego got the best of me. I thought, well, we're generating like $1.8 million run rate. And I think that I can use this cash flow to open up my second location. And I quickly realized that, shoot, I don't, I can't, I can't pay a payroll. Ooh. So that was really a, a great learning opportunity for me. Luck, I mean, luckily. So I, I want to make sure to, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So when you pulled the money from location one to go right. open location two, two. Uh-huh. you couldn't afford to pay the people at location one. Well, because uh, you know there there are many things that happens. Like there's a construction delays. Yep. There's an unforeseen cost that associated. And you're with still it. paying rent during all that time. I'm paying rent. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am. I got to pay. Uh, uh, you know, staff that are working at a first location. But I remember I got to also start paying for my second location employees for training. Yeah. And the cash was tight. Yeah. Um, So I had to go borrow money at a 15% interest rate. Ouch. Yeah. So reflecting back at that, um, what things would you have done differently what things would you have considered that you didn't consider mm-hmm. to set yourself up for better success? Yeah. Um, strategy, planning. Uh, again, I, I would have gone out and asked asked more questions to people who are more experienced to get their insights and just being more methodical yeah. and strategic and having some patience. Uh, and because I was like, let's go, like, yeah. let's go, let's go open a store. Let's go open up a truck. And that's how I have been. So I thought my way was the right way. I think there's something to be said about that. <laughs> there is something to be said about yeah. just going. Yeah. Right? Cause when you're in the situation right. and you got to make payroll, yeah. that frontal lobe kicks into hyper gear and go, yeah. and it's the problem solver. Like there's a way to figure this out. Yeah. But unless you put yourself in the hard situation, you're never going to kick that thing into gear, that's you know, right. and, but, but you force yourself into these situations yeah. and you force your way out of them too. That's right. Um, 
but get more specific. What what was what like so you were specific with the idea of like you just didn't force you didn't have the foresight to consider payroll. Right. You didn't have the foresight to consider that the construction would go longer. That's right. What are some of the other things that that you didn't have the foresight for? Yeah. Like, give us like a punch list of the things that we should think of that we probably are not yeah. thinking of. Well, the asking yourself a question of is the first location is going to be successful? Is second location going to be as successful as the first location? Yeah, like that's also a question to ask. Yeah. Uh, is first second location going to be as a, a great of a location than the first one? Yeah, that's you know yeah. something to be asked. Okay, too. do we have the money to? Uh, money and the resources and the people to maintain the first location the way it is. Uh, do I have the right structure in place at a first location and for me to scale to the next, that that's similar operation to the second location? Those are the questions uh, that to be asked, but I don't think I asked that at that time. Okay. I like this stuff. So, um, Get more into like the inside, like the, yeah. the systems of inside the business, the people inside the business and yeah. scaling that aspect. Yeah. Because I think you alluded to that just a little bit there. But I think that's where a lot of people hit the, miss the mark. Um, so get into how you empower your people yeah. to do the job when you're not there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think how I would want to answer this is that um, most people, I think, like enjoy structure enjoy system and they like um, having a persistent programs to um, eliminate chaos and and today those are those people are great partners of mine um, and I learned so much from them okay but for me I seek for chaos and problems oh my god issues. I'm right there and, and <laughs> so, yeah so I think that you know those <laughs> I had so many blind spots, right? Yeah. Like, and they were telling me things. I didn't listen. Okay. So ego got the best of me. And what's one thing they told you? Or two things that they told you that you weren't listening? Well, we're going, it's too fast. Yeah. And I said, no, no, like we've opened five food trucks <laughs> and we're doing fine. We can do this with our brick and mortar source too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what does the right speed look like? How do you, what, you're going too fast. I mean, you yeah. opened in, from 2015 to 2016, yeah. 17, 18. You opened, you were yeah. at, you're at eight locations now. Right. But you kind of tapped the brakes there for a while. So, yeah, we did a little bit. Yeah. When, when was it the fastest point? You, when, which are your scale? I, I think that uh, we're not there yet. We're, we're about to scale well, up to for this the next, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think we have been doing a good job. Like, we, we put a break a little bit for one year to, to make our 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 system more solid. So in 2016, yeah. Sorry, 2000. You're at six. You were at six locations yeah. in 2018, right? Right. Okay. And yeah. then you tapped the brakes. 2018 yeah. to 2019. And then we just opened one each. So okay. Now we're going to be at eight, and so. So you opened six locations in three years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. What were the biggest differences and changes in your your business to be able to evolve and sustain and, and manage that yeah um people okay uh luckily very lucky in a sense that i have a core group of people that have the capacity to grow and every time uh, they stepped up to um find better systems manage it better how do you create that culture where people are willing to step up 
and feel comfortable to step up. Yeah, you know, I think the first thing is they see the bigger vision, and second thing is trust. Um, you know, going back to our core values, right? Like we're respectful for each other's um, skill sets and strengths, uh, and we're vulnerable. Uh, we're open, and we're kind of warm to each yeah. other. We're, you know, we're family. Yeah. How do they so, see the bigger picture? I think some people do uh, better than the others. Um, you know, there are some people that, you know, when I say, hey, we're going to become the world-leading Korean barbecue brand, there are some people out there. Some, Jay's drinking the Kool-Aid again. Right. Or they say, <laughs> I, yeah, let's go, yeah. right? And then there's some people like, well, walk me through how we're going to get there. So yeah. I need to, like, take the steps. Yeah. Uh, and then there are people that says Jay's delusional, right? Like, <laughs> unrealistic. But I think the one thing that came from this story, from yeah. what you're sharing with us, I think is really important. Uh, and I want, I want to lean into it a little bit more is that the reason why you're able, the thing that's changed the most is the yeah. people, letting people step up. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you said, and when I asked you, uh, how do you get them to see the vision, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, how are you communicating that to them? Like what, are, what things mm-hmm. are you doing to make sure they see it? Yeah. Is kind of what I want to get at. Um, I don't think I'm doing that. I think they're doing it themselves. Okay. Um, so they see something. They have their own vision of what it can be. I, I, yeah, I believe that. I believe that they are believing in something that th- what they're doing and it's working and they're building confidence through it and they're making their own decisions to, to improve our business. And when they're doing that, when they're empowered to make that, that type of decisions, uh, I mean, they take ownership in the decisions that they make mm. and they see that it's it's working, positively working for them. And if it when it's it fails... Uh, it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. So how can we recreate the culture in your business? Like what advice do you have for us to recreate the culture in your business where people feel like they can step up and uh, contribute and feel like they can add value to the, the bigger vision? Um, I think it starts with leadership. Yeah. But leadership executing the core values on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Um, you know, we got we to gotta act what we preach. Hit us with those core values one more time. Did you, Oh, our core values, uh, you know, it's, I have it right next to me right nice. here. Uh, you know, d- be dedicated uh, to us. That means uh, being committed to winning. Yeah. Uh, be authentic means we're direct, respectful, kind, warm, and vulnerable. Uh, resilient is uh, we, we ask you know, ourselves why and move forward and grow and be thankful, uh, which means you, we have fun and we live in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you come to these core values? Like what did that, that process look yeah. like of, of getting this down and narrowed down to what, how many, one, two, that's four, three, four, yeah, yeah. four. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, we, we all sat down together. The, you know, we're, I, I'm very lucky that we have staff that are, are going to be celebrating their 10th year with us, five years with us. And we have a 10th year party that's coming up and we have like 400 people coming, you know, our wow. staff and, the, their families and we had we we kind of did the exercise of how many people have been with us for over five years and there's quite a few and we're very lucky to have them so we all sat down together and we said what feels good for us how do we live our lives mm. and we came up with these doesn't mean they were perfect i'm sure the list was a lot bigger than four when you guys first <laughs> so how did you narrow it down uh, we, we kept narrowing it down. We said, what's, what's, what are aspirations and what are a uh, reality? Yeah. So. In, in, um, 
how long did it take you to get these these core values? Like when did when did this print come off? Like when, when did you guys have it? Yeah, about a year and a half. Okay. But we've had similar things. We just yeah. we we kept refining every well, year. I think it's kind of so. I think you know. It's important to, to take the time to, to write these things down. I agree. But I also think it's important to to let them evolve naturally too. Because yeah. you look at like a, a brand right. like Zingerman's, right? Yeah. Which this is what they, they have Zing Train, right? Where yeah. they teach this stuff now. That's right. But they didn't have these things in 1985. Like they were just doing what you were doing and to yeah. continue to do is put your head yeah. down and just be fucking awesome, right? Yeah. Um, and then when you get to the point where you start to scale, like you need to recreate yourself. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is if you feel the pressure that you haven't written your core values down yeah. yet, you're at one year yeah. and you have one location, like it's not a bad practice, but at the same time, like you're still figuring out who you are as a business, you know? I, I like, agree. so don't stress out too much over it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessary to stress out about yeah. it. I think, but it's good to have it good to follow it. And good to have a guideline on how you make decisions on a day to day. When you can't be in every spot at once, you know, like that's, that's when right. it becomes important because right. you have to recreate yourself. In these I recently made a mistake, right? Um, so we were discussing on how we're going to create an emergency fund for our staff because as we're growing, we realize that there, there are people out there that are in need. Mm. They may need to take a couple of days off. But the problem, the challenge with that was that. Some people, unfortunately, are checked, check, check yeah. right? So uh, we were, you know, creating this fund, uh, emergency fund for our company to help the people who are in need, our staff, mm. right? And we had a discussion on uh, should manager at a, each location uh, manage this, this fund or, or should a company's committee manage this fund, right? And for me... Uh, it was easier for uh, um, GM to just manage this fund. Yeah. Um, and we had a disagreement. And then we look at this core values, and one of the core values we say is like, focus on growing our culture and building a stronger team that makes us proud and seek what is best for like our brand rather than best for ourselves or group. So I realized after reading and after the meeting, I was like, oh, I made a mistake. So I said, it was my fault. We should be having a committee that company makes a decision mm. instead of a, an individual. Mm -hmm. So like, it's an example of that, yeah, like using core values core value. to make decisions. Because yeah, you're balancing everything. Every it makes making decisions easier. Easy, yeah. Absolutely. Because you're like, oh, that's what it's for. Well, I have no option now because I wrote this is my value. Yes, and if I want to have integrity, and I want you know, like it makes yeah. it so much easier. That's you're right. right. Thank you for getting into that. Sure. Uh, I love that. So. I can't believe we're almost at our time. Uh, you mentioned franchising, right? Yeah. Um, any lessons learned around franchising? Uh, some I, I know a lot of my listeners out there are yeah. interested in this. Yeah, what are some of the things that kind of like were surprising to you that you didn't consider when going through when before starting the process? Yeah, uh, one thing that I'm thinking about as we're going through the the FDD process, which is a process what that does FDD stand for uh, franchising disclosure. Um, document okay uh and as i'm going through this um you know a few things always come to mind is that one thing is i don't want to make a franchisable brand where where i'm not creating a win-win situation uh where uh, i'm not you know selling the franchising is one thing supporting and and making sure that the franchisees are successful is another 
and I want to build the franchising company that franchisees are successful. Okay, and so, that's a long term play. So you're not in the business of building franchise restaurants. You're in the business of building franchisees. That's right. Yes. And the things that we're doing, preparing ourselves, is what do we have to do to make sure that our franchisees are successful? So they're building a long-term relationship with us. Can you get specific on some of the things you need to do to make sure? Absolutely. Yeah. Like there's a ton of things that we realize that oh, we need to make this. Um, like we, we 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 do things, and it's so routine for us that it's it's a normal. It becomes like very normal, right? And, and what we haven't realized is that we haven't written this down. And we haven't really asked ourselves: Is this the right approach when we when it comes to this task? Uh, things like that, just yeah. small, minute details. Constantly working through little things. Yeah, that that needs to be more uh, methodical and strategic uh, in order for us to make our franchisees successful. And you know that takes time. Are you outsourcing any help? Yeah, for this? We, yeah, we have some consultants out there. I mean, one of the things that small companies we aren't able to do is hire a, you know, $150,000, uh, right. you know, upper management. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what's also great is that we're able to, you know, in a place where we're, um, able to find good consultants to help us. And, you know, when they're good core value fit, uh, these consultants bring so much value to our business and we're able to use their yeah. experience and skills yeah. to get things done. And I think, I think it's really important. And I'll, I'll admit to this that, you know, when I was a little more naive, yeah. I'm still naive, let's be honest, but yeah. like when, when I was even more naive, <laughs> um, I always thought that if you got a consultant, it said that you didn't know what you were doing. Mm. And I think that's a really bad mentality to have because yeah. if you look at the most successful people, they, they're constantly seeking out expert advice. Yeah. You know, they're not afraid to, to ask the pro, right? Why, why is that the better mentality? Um, I want to ask you the same question <laughs> <laughs> because in your world, yeah. like we talked about earlier on, like you're doing it. Like you've built your business. You're at a what? 700 and 700. This is going to be episode 702. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious who you go to for your, your line of job. Uh, for, for me, like I, I, I reach out to, Local, um, like Steve Hislop, who's a CEO of Chewy's. Yeah. It's a public company, but yeah. they're based out in Austin. And I have access to that's crazy. a person like that. Yeah. You know, uh, Hopdotty CEO, Jeff Chandler. Like, I have access to him, and I can reach out and ask him questions. Steve Burt, like, people in our industry that have gone through this were able to just ask that's the whole idea of this yeah, podcast that's right like is that we're going to transform the industry yeah. by putting knowledge in one spot by sharing knowledge and right. not looking at each other as yeah. competition right but as collaborators as right. colleagues as yes. comrades yeah. you know and coming together and and giving other people aiming points of yeah this is what the job done right yeah. looks like so who do you go to who do i go to yeah uh for podcasting yeah i'm curious <laughs> uh i you know, I, I don't really listen to a lot of restaurant podcasts. Um, uh -huh. I go, I, I think that it's my job to get out of the industry yeah. to give the rest of the industry perspective. That's cool. Um, so I listen to a lot of uh, like uh, Jordan Harbinger uh, podcasts. Okay. Uh, he used to be the host of The Art of Charm, but now uh -huh. it's the Jordan, the Jordan Harbinger show. He started a new show. Yeah. And it's just all about mental health, really mental. It's about being a better person. Yeah. You know, shows that are about how we function and how we work and yeah. the the hidden brain is another one that I love because nice. I think that the, the success 
in, in business and life is really just internal. It's, it's all internal. Wow. Uh, once you yeah. control yourself, just right. think about what it takes to be successful. It's, it's just, you know, discipline, yeah. um, you know, emotional and social intelligence. And like, and I think right. like just the discipline is probably the, the hardest thing is to, to do the thing, yeah. you know, that you don't want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I'm rambling right now. No, but, no, that's good. I got two, two yeah. things. Uh, yeah. Some other one. ones. Um, Mixer G is another one I like to listen to. Okay. Uh, you're getting some good stuff out of me. Right yeah, now. man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what did, I, what did I list so far? Mixergy, yeah. The Art of Charm, yeah. uh, The School of Greatness. And um, I think it's really important to listen to these podcasts, not just these ones, but uh-huh. podcasts in general, because like we said, it's lonely at the top. So hearing yeah. other people that have done it mm-hmm. reinforces that you can do it too. And it inspires yeah. you. And yeah. you're the average of the five people you spend your yeah. time around. And I'm sure we've all heard that. Yeah. And with podcasting, we can literally surround ourselves with the most incredible people in the world. So I'm curious. Are you're you turning the tables on me right no, no, now. No, no, no. Like this is a pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, like people who are interested in doing podcasts, <laughs> right? Um, are you, when you're listening to them, are you, are you listening to the like cadence? What are you like listening? Are you listening the way they're asking questions or they're sharing information? What do you, what do you listen I'm to? I'm just listening for the, what am I, what am I listening to when I listen to a podcast? Like what, how yeah. do I listen? Yeah. Like how are you listening? Is there, is there a method in which like you listen to them? I, I almost forgot to mention Joe Rogan. I love watching Joe Rogan. Oh, uh, he's great. You know why? Cause That's I right. think that those shows are really good. The people are just real. Yeah, you know, they're not trying to create a show. Yeah, they're just who they are in the moment, and just putting a mic in front of it and That's being right. real. And yeah. it's like the Forest Podcast, where like it's like here are all the questions and like yeah, 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 yeah. and it's just like somebody's like going through the motions. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's not that's not what I like. Yeah, he got. Am I answering your question? Yeah, yeah. He okay. got like Joe Rogan got Elon Musk to uh, smoke, smoke weed. weed. It's awesome. How real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watched that episode. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, I, I I can't believe we're almost at two thirty. Um, I do have to ask before we go to the speed round. Uh, what is um? So the the mission statement of Restaurant Unstoppable. The mission statement of Restaurant Unstoppable is to inspire, yeah. empower, and transform the industry. So how have you transformed? Who are the man, who are you today? Who's Jay Kim today versus Jay Kim going back uh, 10 years ago, 2010? How have you transformed? Um, man, that's a great question. And Thank you. Very deep question, too. Um, I'm very grateful for my business, first of all, um, because my sister passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, uh, about two years ago now and one of the things that i've learned was that was the only time that i thought about selling the business at pennies on the dollar right because i that moment was a moment where i thought i'd rather spend time with um my sister and my mom than run a business Mm. and complain or about small things or worry about these small things Mm. right uh, my sister passed away, but what she taught me was to be grateful for the things that I have. And that was a turning point for me in the way that I run my business today is that, you know, like why worry about the small things that happens? Yeah. You know? It's a really hard way to learn a lesson, but right. it's a good lesson. I'm yeah. grateful you shared it with us. And, um, you know, she gave, you know, my sister helped me to have a vision, but also, yeah, just like don't worry about the small things. Yeah, 
And I love it, uh, be grateful for the, the people that are surround you and hire people and work with people that you actually enjoy. Don't mm. hire people for their resume. Like hire people because like you just love like yeah. working with people. And for me, like I love that, that I get to be part of building something that's bigger than I am. And I get to do with the people that I get choose to do it with. Yes, I love it, man. Yeah. This has been a great chat. Uh, one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we're going to bust out a true speed round. I'm sure you felt it before, right? That pressure, that intense pressure to have your restaurant website on point. But you should have that pressure. You should feel this way because your restaurant website is so important. It is your first impression, and it represents your entire brand. But here's the thing, you're not a web developer, you're a restaurant owner, so how can you be held to these standards? Well, with BentoBox, that's how. BentoBox empowers you to own your presence, profit, and guest relations, all with full support, integration, and analytics. And here's something that's really great about BentoBox is that it prioritizes website accessibility. So with BentoBox, you can get a certified accessible restaurant website that follows ADA guidelines and supports your business because this is how you show your people you care. Beyond that, BentoBox websites drive 70% more traffic. They see seven times more conversions and get five times return on investment. What else can I say? Well, how about over 5,000 restaurants in all 50 states and around the world are using this platform with its suite of tools. Head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save 50% off your setup. Again, that's getbento, G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com slash unstoppable. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs that's awesome head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system a value of 5k we are back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success grit grit what is your biggest weakness Organization. How are you combating that weakness? Hiring the right person in the right place. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team and interviewing somebody? Culture fit. Okay. Share and back. I just got to, this is why it's so important to write these things down, right? Yeah. Do they meet this? Yes. You know, like, yeah. That's right. Uh, what's your biggest challenge today? Um, growth. How are you dealing with that? strategizing and planning and having the faith 
Nice. And wishing for luck. <laughs> Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act. Oh, it's always about core values again. Like our core values are dedicated, be authentic, be resilient, and be thankful. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your businesses, but not common throughout the industry. A way to go above and beyond. Customers first, always. What does that look like? Give me an example of customer first. Um, I am My customers are my staff. So I expect that my, my staff treat our customers the way that I treat my staff. I love it. Uh, what's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? Oh, man, there are a couple of books. The change is, it changed my life recently. Nice. Uh, one I is a couple. I, I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Nice. Uh, amazing. Bob Iger's The Ride of a Lifetime, the Disney CEO's book. Amazing. Wait, how many books were there? The Shoe Dog was one. What yeah. was the second one? Uh, a Ride of a Lifetime a ride by of a lifetime. Bob Iger, okay. Disney uh, CEO. Um, and Ray Dalio's Principles. Okay. Pick one of those books and give us a lesson for me. Man, they're all good. <laughs> I love it because they're all different. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I persist- think they're all in audio too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. But I read it and I took notes and I read it multiple times because nice. they're that good. Nice. Yeah. I will link to those in the show notes. Uh, and if you are not an Audible listener, I highly recommend it. It's literally changed my life. Uh, head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. If you use that mm-hmm. link, you're supporting the show and thank you in advance. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> pass. I'll give you a pass. Uh, <laughs> you've been given plenty other value other places. So name one service you've hired or outsourced. So this is like a, an expertise. Yeah. Like, or sorry. Somebody with an expertise, like a, like a designer or a lawyer or something along these lines. So who's one person that you've hired that you'd be willing to recommend to somebody else? Ooh. Ooh. There's intent behind okay. this question, by the way. So <laughs> I'm trying to grow a network of people. Yeah. Of experts. Um, so think of it with that mentality. You know, I just always come back to uh, our designer, Kim Lewis. Uh, when we didn't have much, when we didn't have clear identity, the designer going into the restaurant space, like she was like 110% with us. And I can't thank her enough in giving us the platform in the space to grow. Um, and and I think that what's important is like just... There, there are people out there that just kind of fit with you. Yeah. Uh, no matter how experienced they're, maybe they're inexperienced, but like they just love your brand to work yeah. on it with you. And those are the people that like you need the most. In, in and she's an interior designer. Is yeah, that she's it was? an interior designer. In uh, her name, one more time, Kim. Kim Lewis. Kim Lewis. Does she yeah. have a website or business? Yeah, she does. Uh, do you know it by? Any I think it's kimlewisdesigns.com. All right, I'll look it up. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, what is one technology you've recently adopted within your business and it's having a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, Ooh. anything along those lines? Yeah. I would say I would say my CFO would say Restaurant 365. Nice. Um, I would say our HR person would say Harry. Nice. Um, for me, 
Google Docs. <laughs> That's a big one. I think it's a, probably one of the most underutilized tools. Yeah. Uh, getting everybody in one spot, having access to all of your documents. Yeah, and right. uh, I love when my guests recommend a sponsor. Restaurant 365 is a current sponsor. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Um, cool. So I lost track. We're doing the technology. The next question is the last question, and it's a doozy. So get ready for it. All right. I can't wait to see the look <laughs> on your face. Uh, if you get the news, or if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. Uh-huh. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Can, we, can I take people instead? Can you take- <laughs> uh, wisdom. Um, man, have fun, live in the moment, and love. Have fun, live in the moment, love. I love it, man. This has been a great chat. We wrap up every interview by calling somebody out. So who's somebody you respect and admire and believe would make a great mess, great guest mentor on the show like you made for us today? And if you can't think of just one, that's fine. I would, I would name two. Um, Jeff Chandler, who's a CEO at Hopdotty, and also Mike Ripka, who's you know founder of Torchies. Yes, great recommendations look out guys are coming after you and how can we connect if we are interested in maybe joining your team uh if you guys are hiring i know you're expanding right now or maybe yeah. we're interested in the franchise what's the best way to connect uh go to our website at chilantrobbq.com beautiful you've been great man there is no Thanks, questioning Eric. you are unstoppable cheers dude cheers we'll cut it there There you have it. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you enjoyed it. I told you it was going to be a good one. I hope I did not disappoint. I'm sure I didn't because Jay knocked this one out of the park. I think the the big takeaways to take from today's episode is just to not give up, uh, to keep showing up, to learn from your failures and to show up even better the next time out. And Jay definitely did that. I also love his just tenaciousness of just always showing up always or in the integrity right of just saying hey this is what i'm going to do and promising to his employees hey we're going to get that brick and mortar and then just showing up to to the deliver on what he promised uh is just something to be admired i really love that from today's story doing one thing really well uh and owning that one thing and i love this idea also of inventing something doing something that nobody does and doing that better than everybody else you're instantly number one because you invented it and there's a lot of power in being number one i think we can learn that from jay's story and then i also love this mentality of uh really distilling your core values and getting crystal clear about who you are and what you're all about communicating that to your employees getting everybody on board culturally and then this idea lastly if you're going to franchise to understand it and adopt a mentality that you're not in the, the franchise or business you're into the development of you're in the business of developing franchisees and really what, what that communicates is that we as restaurant owners whether franchise or independent or chain are in the business of developing the people around us and to invest in those that we come in contact with to make everyone we touch better to empower them as individuals and that is how we're going to transform this industry by adopting and implementing this mentality that we as owners and operators have a commitment to our employees to everyone we touch to leave them better off and i hope that that's coming out in these conversations that we're recording for you i hope these are 
empowering you in your businesses to show up existing to serve those that you are surrounding yourself with and uh, just great stuff today. Thank you so much, Jay Kim, for coming on the show and making us all better. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. And uh, don't forget, guys, uh, join the community. Head over to Facebook.com slash unstoppable restaurant owners and operators. Join the community. Be a part of the conversation. And also, please, please, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Come in the restaurants. Be a part of of the conversation right there. Be in the restaurant with me and my guests. You won't regret it. That's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.